Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. I'm with Andrew in a hallway that's really loud. How you doing, Andrew? I'm fabulous. It sounds like there's a fountain behind us, but there's not. It's a fountain of voices and people. It is. It's a sea of people. I can see them from here. So we are just feet from Rupp Arena. I already mentioned that in the interview we're going to listen to. We're going to listen to an interview with Mike Naraki and Amy Parker. They wrote a children's Bible together. You'll hear more about that in a few minutes. But we are at the Christian Products Expo in Lexington, Kentucky. And we're in this convention center that's right outside Adolph Rupp Arena. Yeah, excellent. It's a nice... Uh, nice area um, in a way they're doing a little bit of, of work so the drywall next to us is nothing to look at but we've set up a booth in a good spot here uh, right outside the, the main hall uh, kind of in the in the footpath of everybody which is uh, why the, the background noise is there but it's worth it to get a little more exposure so this Mike Naraki guy was the voice of Larry the Cucumber and one of the founders of VeggieTales right that was interesting. I bet. I, 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 I told you beforehand that I wanted to make sure that he did the voice, and you said we're going to get that. So We got a little bit of the voice. Okay. And then Amy Naraki's written like 70 books. Amy Parker. Uh, yeah, Amy Parker, my bad. Uh, 70 books, most of them for children, but some for teens and some for adults. She did some editing. She did some ghostwriting. She's in law school. Oh. Uh, anyway... We have a good discussion about a lot of things, not the least of which is, you know, are kids ready for deep content in solid substance, or do we need to just be fluffy and surfacy with them all the time? Yeah. And uh, you can imagine what my view on that was. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pleased to report that they basically agreed. Excellent. So, well, it's always good to find people that agree with you, but... <laughs> Even if they didn't, it would have been a good interview, I'm sure. But uh, no, I, I, this is this is one that I was looking forward to. We've got 18 interviews to do here this weekend, or this three days, and uh, this was one that that I think was a good one just to to kick off our our roster. So uh, pumped up to hear this, and uh, if you're listening to this, I hope you will tune in to, to the other ones that follow as well. Yeah, so you're gonna get this thing piped out, and it's gonna be up probably within two or three hours of the interview being done. Fresh. Yeah, very fresh. Hey, enjoy the interview with Amy Parker and Mike Naraki, and come back for more at the 2022 CPE Lexington, Kentucky. Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. We're at the Christian Products Expo in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm literally five feet from Rupp Arena, Adolph Rupp Arena. Uh, I won't talk about how scandalous and illegal I think the Kentucky basketball program is, but be that as it may, I'm right here and I feel pretty special. I hope I can stick my head in there sometime. Are you guys from Kentucky? No. No. Tennessee. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I so live, you hate I, Kentucky. <laughs> and Mike is from I, I hold no. I hold no on animosity to Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, I've lived, I've lived in Tennessee now for about 18 or 19 years. I should introduce you guys. Uh, I've got Mike Naraki and Amy Parker, who are authors of a book called Bible Stories and Prayers. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but before we do that, uh, how did you guys get to the place where you even wanted to write? I, I want to hear each of your faith stories sure. and then kind of your writer calling stories. Like, how did you get called into writing? Yeah. You, would you like to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I was just raised right here in the Bible Belt, um, and my mom was a preacher's kid. So faith was just always a part of my life. That legacy is there, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, 
and when I got out of college, no, in college actually, I did an internship at Thomas Nelson. I was studying. Where'd you go to college? MTSU. So North Tennessee State University. Middle Tennessee State University. Yep, got it. Yeah, and so um, I did an internship at Thomas Nelson, the um, publisher and did it in Tommy Nelson, the children's division of Thomas Nelson. So I just fell in love with publishing at that point, changed my teaching major, I mean minor, to a writing minor. And when I got out of school, I eventually got a job there. Um, But they had a layoff and um, started letting me do freelance work there. And um, that led to a writing career. So I was able to just not only edit books but also write and I just found that that's what I loved the most was and that's what I felt better at editorial was more of a struggle for me writing was easy for me and I'm like this is where I'm supposed to be describe what editorial looks like um a lot of details which I like to a certain extent but it I just didn't feel um like I could be creative or put my own you know spin on it you know you have to stay true to the author who's coming to you and so I would oversee the editorial process and um, so the proofreaders like I would edit the manuscript that came in in its first rough form um, some rougher than others but you know most in pretty good shape and if then, they remember to run spell check beforehand yes, right <laughs> yeah um, and then you know the proofreaders I would I would um, just like collate the proofreaders marks and things like that very exciting stuff and um, and then you know eventually we'd send it off to the printer so I just kind of oversaw that process for a while but then I started picking up whatever they would let me do you know writing catalog copy or even proofreading myself things like that what so, did you go to college for my major is in English and I have a minor two minors in writing and education so if I imagine myself being an editor at a Christian publisher, which would be a disaster because I, I'm, I'm not detail oriented. And You'd be I, a good I, writer then. I need an editor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, one of the things I could see myself having a problem with is like, if somebody wrote something that's not true or it's theologically oh. different than me, like you just got to bite your lip and keep your head down and get the job done or can you report it somewhere and like so yeah generally speaking in the christian publishing industry they have theological reviewers and so they have to pass you know it's reviewed before it's even taken to pub board you know it's reviewed and looked at not to say that things don't pop up theologically um but those get edited to where they're the most acceptable for that publisher's audience yeah cool Mike, let's bring you in a little bit. Yeah. This dude right here was the voice of Larry the Cucumber on VeggieTales. Is that right? That is correct. <laughs> yes. I was going to ask you to do the voice. <laughs> yeah, don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just kind of like she did, what, yeah. what's, what's your story, your faith story, and how yeah. did you get into doing this? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in a denomination uh, called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Mm-hmm. So um uh, as an Air Force kid, we moved all over the place. Uh, my dad, you know, was in career Air Force. Um, I went forward in high school at a youth convention and dedicated my vocation to ministry. And I didn't know what that would look like at the time. I was a junior in high school, and I felt like God was calling me to serve him somehow. And I didn't know what that looked like. I had a dad. My dad was an engineer. My mom was a nurse. My brother was a chemistry major in college at the time. So uh, I put all those things together in my 17-year-old brain and decided that I was going to. God was calling me to be a missionary doctor. Okay. And so I wanted to be a missionary doctor once. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and so I went off to. Uh, so my plan was to go to a denominational college for the CMA for a year or two to get some Bible classes out of the way. They didn't have a pre-med program, and then transfer somewhere else for pre-med. And so I went up to this small college up in Minneapolis. Crown College is the name of it now. Oh, yeah. At the time, it was St. Paul Bible. And if you're from Iowa, you might be, you know, yeah. familiar with that. Yep. And so, uh, and it was there. Uh, the other thing, I'll back up a, a second and a couple steps back. Growing up, I loved to perform. I loved, you know, being in theater. I loved plays. I loved music. I loved the Dr. Demento radio hour growing up, you know, <laughs> saw all this weird stuff. And, you know, huge Monty Python and Mel Brooks fans. So I, I, I love that. I love being in plays and choirs. So when I went, um, I got involved in the student ministry at the school doing puppetry. I'd done some puppetry also, and a big Jim Henson fan. Cool. And I met Phil Vischer, 
uh, who would later become the voice of Bob the Tomato, and he and I would write and perform puppets together. And we'd like to say we roamed the Minnesota countryside scaring the Baptists with our puppets. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, um, so yeah, just had a really fun time doing that. But, you know, I had a vision of what I thought God wanted for me. And so, you know, I was following that. I left after a year and a half, ended up coming to Chicago where Phil was also from. Phil wanted to be a filmmaker. I wanted to, you know, continue my studies in, in pre-med. Uh, so I went to the University of Illinois, Chicago, um, right, right in the city and did pre-med. Well, to work my way through school, a job opened up where Phil was working at a, as a VHS tape duplicator on the graveyard shift. <laughs> so I took that, started to learn a lot of production, and uh, over time, we formulated kind of an what would become VeggieTales in taking what we had done with puppets, combining that with this newly emerging form of computer animation, and then wow. all the production that we were being involved in, and we you know, launched VeggieTales. And so, um, and it was really one of those very, very clear moments in my life where I remember I had finished my undergraduate, I majored in biology, double majored in biology and history, and I applied with the Peace Corps, I, and, and if I were to, uh, and then Phil was out trying to raise money for our first episode. The very same month that my acceptance letter from Peace Corps came in, we got funding. We found out we got funding for the very uh, same episode of Veg for the first episode of VeggieTales. Wow! And so I just really it was a it was a pivotal moment for me where I had to pray about it, ask the people in my life who knew me best about what I should do, and yeah. uh, and you know I just felt like okay, well, these these are the you know I feel so passionate about you know, creating and entertaining and, you know, people around me told me they thought I had a gift for that and so I decided to follow that. So I turned down Peace Corps and, and headed off and you know, to, to VeggieTales. So VeggieTales, I mean, I shouldn't be so blunt with you, yeah. but I've watched as little of VeggieTales as possible. <laughs> yeah, man, I <laughs> but understand. My, but my kids, yeah. it was on a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I love what you guys are doing. I mean, yeah, yeah, to yeah. reach kids with truth. And, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, like that's wild. Yeah how, yeah. how many episodes or seasons or was it just DVDs? That yeah. You did? So well, so this was VHS. So this was in the early days of home video. No so, DVDs. No. Well, DVDs didn't come till probably about ten years later. So this was 93, 1993. The wow. DVD had not been invented yet. Home video <laughs> was a novelty at the time. You know, yeah. this idea, and that was part of the business opportunity that we saw was, you know, you were beholden to the gatekeepers who you know, of, of television and, and film to be able to put anything out there. But yeah. along comes this technology that allows you to make something and then sell it directly to your audience. Yeah. And that wow. was that was a huge thing for us. So we took out ads in Christian parenting magazines to sell our very first VHS, Where's God When I'm Scared, in, in Christmas of 93. Wow. Uh, we got about 500 orders. Uh, we had raised about 60 grand to make our first episode. Uh, but so the, so 60 grand, you know, 500 orders at $15 a pop. If you do the math, it didn't come near covering our expenses. <laughs> but we we were, uh, one of our ads was seen by a, an executive at Word Records in Nashville who was intrigued by it, ordered ordered a VHS, watched it, loved it, and then wow. did a distribution deal with us after that. So how many of you were in on the ground level? Just you and that other dude? So Phil Vischer and I, yeah, we, we, we got it started. Uh, he was married at the time. His wife, Lisa, um, well, he's still married to Lisa, uh, who is also... Uh, Junior, the voice of Junior Asparagus, and then our, the music director at our church uh, that we were all going to, Kurt Heineke, was doing the music for it. And then we hired a couple of kids right out of art school to help animate. So, so there was really like you know six or seven of us that that pulled together. And that, that was show. in Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago, on the north side, near north side of Chicago. What church were you going to? So I, uh, it was Park Community Church, okay. uh, which is which is at the time meeting at Francis Parker Elementary School. It's since moved to a different location, uh, but it was it was a startup from Moody uh, Bible. Institute. Got so, it. Uh, yeah, so that's how that started. And it was sort of the, you know, it was, you know, young 20s, you know, going to church, you know, in, in the city. That was sort of the vibe of the church. But a lot, a very artistic community. A lot of Chicago actors went there and we were able to pull from that for voices for the for the show. So I became, you know, I started, we started making the show and I became much more involved in writing. You know, I, I loved writing, you know, particularly songs, but I started to get more into, you know, you know, screenwriting and that sort of thing. And then just spent a, a career doing that. So what has been the life cycle of VeggieTales? Right, so we started in 93. Uh, I left um, in 2016, so, you know, so that was, you know, 23 years, wow. you know, with, with VeggieTales full-time. Um, it's, it's owned now, the IP is owned by Universal Pictures. So we, we were bought by, 
We went through bankruptcy in 2004, and we were acquired by class, a company called Classic Media out of New York. Classic Media was eventually acquired by DreamWorks Animation, and then and then DreamWorks Animation, you know, was bought by Universal. So that's that's where VeggieTales lives now. And so up until 2016, uh, and even through now, is it still? very Christian and biblical and all that? Yeah, well, so that was sort of thing. So at 2004, when we went, or 2003, 2002, when we went through the bankruptcy, um, you know, there were a core group of us, uh, you know, moved from Chicago to Nashville, which was where the new company was located. And we were still doing all the creative development and writing. Phil Vischer was, he stayed in Chicago, but he was doing writing and voices. And so um, part of the thing that the, the new owners wanted was for us to maintain our, our identity and serve our audience. And so we were able to do that, you know, through all those years that, you know, we didn't have ultimate say on, you know, where we were shown. And, you know, there was, there were some ups and downs along the way in terms of, you know, content and decisions that were made beyond us but yeah. at the heart of it while I was there we let you know that was our mission we wanted to create stories with a, a biblical worldview the assumption that there's a God who made us who loves us who wants a relationship with us and, yeah. then, and then that core VeggieTales message of God made you special and he loves you very much we wanted to maintain that in all of our storytelling cool so uh, can you tell me what the bankruptcy was all about or is that like oh no no i'm happy to talk about it yeah we we grew too fast um and we had a lot of different things going on um you know we we you know by 1999 the show had really taken off uh and you know and and no small part thanks to you know christian you know um booksellers you know because it had really grown up in the christian book market gotten a huge audience went to the mainstream market and we were selling a lot of, by this time, DVDs. Um, and, uh, and we decided to do our first feature film, which is a risky proposition, you know, because it's very expensive. And this was before Passion of the Christ. So this is before, you know, kind of the big, you know, Hollywood folks saw that, oh, wait a minute, people can make money doing faith films. Yeah. And so we weren't, you know, so we had to rely on our own income stream to fund the film. Mm. Uh, while we did that, we had to stop making our DVDs, which is sort of our bread and butter. So from a revenue standpoint, we needed the, the, the movie did well, Jonah, a VeggieTales movie. It did well, but it didn't do well enough, you know, yeah. to kind of get us to that next step. And we had launched a new series, 321 Penguins. We were putting a lot of uh, effort into that. And then we had a, a distributor lawsuit at the same time, too. So it was, all of these things kind of came yeah. together, and it was just really unfortunate we lost control of the company. So when you leave in 2016, were you still the voice of Larry the Cucumber? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So how so. do they replace a voice? They find someone else who sounds like you? Well, so... Or did he so, die? I mean, he didn't die. Know. Well, no. So so at that point, at that point, the reason, the reason I left was because 2016, by that time, the business model did not um, support home video anymore. Nobody, you know, nobody buys DVDs anymore. Right. And so, so that was the thing. So, so, and that's the that's what I ran in that in that environment uh, was was creating the the 50 minute videos that went directly to DVD. So when I left full time, I was still hired on to do some writing, to do voices for other shows. But you know, yeah, the, so much of the time when I was there full time was spent in story development and, and directing the episodes and putting that was a full time job. When you voice something, you can come in and you know in an afternoon and lay down your lines and you're done. So um, yeah. so that's that's kind of what I did. So there. I mean, to be you know in the middle of one of the more iconic movements in Christendom in the last what, 50, 100 years? What a unique experience, like, oh yeah. what did you learn? How did you grow? Can you synthesize that down to one or two things? Well, yeah, yeah, that's a tough question. I do feel like, you know, one of the big things for me is like story is so important in influencing how kids see the world, you know, and, and I really felt called uh, increasingly so, and even, you know, more so now, to tell stories with that, that biblical worldview that it's God who made us, who loves us, who wants a relationship with us. And so I think that's crucial. And, you know, I think of me wanting to be a missionary, a medical missionary. Yeah. I think it's so crucial to have that, that mission in culture to say, you know, here, I can be an artist and I can represent this worldview in a way that's really engaging and really entertaining. And it's going to really shed a great light on the kingdom. Yeah. And, and it's going to draw kids to that. And I think that's super important. Um, so that's that's one thing, and then and then the other thing too is like ultimately God is in control. I mean, we had you know built this big company, you know had big plans. He had other plans, you know, and you know you know personally, you know financially there was a lot of tragedy in the bankruptcy, but I've seen God use it going forward for for great things, and and now personally too, I'm moving on to other things, and there's exciting things happening. So you know it's just yeah. you know it's been exciting to see what God's done with all of it. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell everybody now every time I see that, hey, I know the guy that 
sat right across the table from him. That's a big deal. I feel like I should get his autograph or something. <laughs> Amy. You probably should. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, your bio uh, says that you've written 70 books for yes. kids, over 70. Over 70. Um, and I think... Yes, in that number, they're not all for kids, but... Okay. Yeah, so 70-something, and some for teens and adults, but most mostly kids. And yeah. then it mentions this night-night series, which I'm unfamiliar with, but is that kind of the marquee thing that you're known for? It's board books, so um, oh. it's either above or below your reading level, depending on... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it, the night-night series is board books, with the exception of there's a Bible story book, um, that is not a board book, and then there's a devotional that goes with that that's not a board book. But it um, it actually came out of my time there at, uh, well, I was freelancing at the time, but I had a three-year-old redhead at home, um, and I don't know if any of you have redheads out there, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but no, I was trying to get him to bed one night, it was not working, and I just started, I started saying, shh, the trees are sleeping, and shh, the birds are sleeping, and he perked up and listened, and he was sort of empathetic to the trees and the birds and he quietened wow. down a, a little bit and then I woke up with that verse in my head and um, just wrote it in the middle of the night um, and then kind of polished it a little bit and then gave it to the publisher next time I was there oh no 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 that's not even true she came to me and said we're looking for a bedtime book for this distributor and I said no way I just wrote one mm -hmm. and she looked at me kind of funny because I'm not a writer I'm an editor and um, anyway from there the night night series began and um, that's incredible so they're yeah. board books the night they're, night series they are they're board books there's like I don't know 14, 15 of them, and then there's the Bible storybook and the devotions. So my kids yeah. are all, my son Mason is here with me, and then uh, Judah, our youngest daughter, is eight, and so we got a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, 18-year-old. Uh -huh. And so we're out of the board book range, yeah, but definitely. we went through a gazillion of those things. Yeah. Not night-night, but um, my wife homeschooled our kids, or homeschools our kids, and I'm very involved in their lives. So, I mean, I've read books to my kids, but that's not, I'm more the field trip director than I am the educator, <laughs> right. which that's what everyone wants, believe me. <laughs> um, but now you're going to laugh at this, but, and I don't mean like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing writing books, but I read some of these books that we read to our kids and I'm just like, I swear I could have written this. Like, <laughs> you, you know, like Brown Bear. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Also Eric Carl. Genius. Eric Carl's a genius. He, he is, yeah. but I'm just, yeah. and my mom was a librarian, and so she, like, our kids got all the Eric Carl books. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's like, well, they're, everyone they're says this dude's a genius, but yeah. I swear I could have done this. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, seeing how si simple it is, but yet how engaging it is, yes. that's really hard. It's actually, I found it hard to write less. You know, if you you can always pour on more words, yeah. you know, but the more you can distill down into story and character and engagement, you know, that becomes a difficult thing to do. So I'm and mad props you, to Eric Carl. Yes, and if you think you could write Eric Carl, you could definitely write my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I must be missing something because yeah. uh, I, I, I probably couldn't. Um, no, but in a way, Not you're probably. Right. I, I mean, I, I tell people who come to me wanting to write a children's book, yes, you can. You can write the children's book, but it takes a certain amount of dedication. It takes a certain willingness to polish your art. And then on the flip side of that, it's not as easy as it looks to um, get the perfect, you know, to take a message, distill it down to like 300 words, and then make it rhyme and have a good, you know, rhyme scheme and rhythm. Yeah. So... There, there's a lot that goes in behind the scenes. I, my simple board books that are 10 spreads, 20 pages max, I'm researching them. I'm making sure like uh, Night Night Ocean is the next one that releases next summer. So I'm making sure that, you know, the ocean animals and there's this whole discussion about can a manatee actually be in the water with a whatever. And, you know, so there's right. a lot of research and, um, you know, background work that goes into it to make it look Simple. You're much more smart and sophisticated than, right. than I'm giving you credit for. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, no, but I, I do feel like a lot of people are equipped to write a children's book. It's just a lot of people don't have the patience to yeah. see it through to the end. The, the books that I remember, uh, Very Hungry Caterpillar. Yeah. Or, yep, yep, yep. And yep. then um, 
Dr. Seuss's alphabet book. Yeah. Yep. Big A, little A, what begins with A, A uh, Annie's yeah, alligator, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, there A, is, A, Dr. Seuss, yes. is, there's another genius for you it's right there. Yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. like I haven't read that book in long time. But, but it's, is I, it still ingrained it's in there? It's still ingrained in my head, yes. It's yeah. crazy. And then um, another very simple, brilliant one is Kitten's First Full Moon by Kevin Hinkes. Okay. It is, there are maybe two or three words on each page, but it's about this kitten who goes off to find a bowl of milk, but it's actually the moon reflecting in a pond, and she comes home tired and wet and hungry, and there's a bowl of milk for her on the front uh-huh. porch, and it's like... How did you do that? Like, how do you <laughs> yeah. make me cry with a cat looking for a bowl of well, milk? You know? And that's and that's the thing. You know, I I, I teach also, uh, and I and I tell my students, um, you know, in entertainment, as I teach film and animation, it's like we're in the feelings business. Yeah. You know, so you really have to connect with people and make them feel something, yeah. and then uh, and that's not easy to do. Yeah. And somehow, totally. Mike can make people feel and laugh at the uh, same time. Yeah, so I go to laughter. I don't go to tears mostly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So. Uh, Tell us about just your your journey writing, and I mean, have you ever wanted to just quit? I imagine. And how do you <laughs> stay creative and not have writer's block? And yeah, oh. well, real writers don't get writer's block. <laughs> <laughs> they just have to keep writing. Cause, yeah. You know, when you write for a living, you don't have the luxury of having writer's block. So yeah, um, you have to find a way to push past it. I guess you do have it, but you have to yeah. find a way to move. Well, past and you it. have to you have to be willing to stink. You know, you have yes. to be really because I think. Yeah. And I think Amy, you're probably similar. I do a lot of self-editing as I write, yes, you know, absolutely. and that can that can limit you. Just saying, oh, I don't really have the idea all together now, so I'm gonna walk away. But no, you have to keep going. You just have to barge through it, come back to it later, say, okay, well, maybe a little bit this worked, but I have to, you know, I have to develop this more. So, but yeah, you just have to barrel through it. Typically. It's certainly a lesson in persistence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do a little bit of. I was a college ministry director for a while, and I do some preaching. I've led some, you know, adult classes, and and whenever I try to lead devotions at home, my wife is just like, nah. Like they, Profit they, in your own land. This is not working because you can't bring it down. It's always got to be way deep and way yeah, yeah, heavy, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, like, if I would go talk to the United States Senate way before I'd go talk to a room full of four-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A room full of four-year-olds will let you know really quickly when you're not being entertaining. I mean, they yeah, start yeah. wiggling, they start hitting their neighbors, they start, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, throwing stuff. You know, I mean, like, they will let you know. That's the best place to test your board books. It's in front of a room yeah. full of four-year-olds. So you, <laughs> you write teenage and adult books and kid books, and so that's intriguing to me because I would think that it would be hard to span those ranges because I'm thinking of myself being unable to span those ranges and just sticking to the more advanced or the the adult end of it. It really is. And actually, I just finished some work, uh, a writing project that's not been announced yet, but I've just finished some work on it and it was supposed to be a little younger, but I kind of got on a tangent and started writing and I guess sort of writing to myself and speaking to myself in my own language. And then I said, you know, and edited, of course, but send it in there like, this is for seven to 10 year olds. And so I'm like, oh yeah, I probably need to bring that down a little bit. So, mm. I mean, it is a challenge and that's just another, um, you know, when, when you're writing a board book, you have to, you, you're limited to um, the vocabulary, more or less, of a preschooler. I try to put a few words in there with context clues that are new words for preschoolers, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which we're, your wife would appreciate. But mm-hmm. um, but beyond that, you can't really you can't use words outside of their vocabulary on every page. So it's really tough to get your message across and use the language of your audience. That's just another round of editorial. <laughs> What would you say about creating video content or, or writing for kids? Uh, what have you learned or how do you navigate that, Mike? Yeah, you, well, I, so with VeggieTales and now with, I'm actually, I have a new book series out called The Dead Sea Squirrels. Um, so it's, it's an early reader series, sort of for, it sounds like you have an eight-year-old. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, right in that, right in that range, you know, you know, like seven to 10, um, and that we're animating as well. And so what I try to do, like Amy, Amy suggested, the message language in, in um, you know, in the shows, in the VeggieTales shows and with squirrels, we want to make that really um, understandable 
you know, for the target audience. So yeah. what what's what are we trying to get across? What sort of the the catchphrase? You know, that it could be a memorable phrase. How do we work that into a song that's easy to remember? Um, but that in itself be memorable, you know, and and applicable to a kid, you know, something that they're yeah. going through. So messaging and, and theme, basically. Uh, but then what I love to do is just write comedy that you know. I don't mind if it goes over the kid's head because I know, you know, the parents are going to be yes. watching with them. And, you know, I think of myself watching Bugs Bunny as a kid. I love Bugs Bunny, but I probably got half of the jokes, you right. know, and then right. you see them later as an adult. It's like, wow, that's really brilliant, you know, right. that kind of thing. And so that's what I enjoy. So from a humor level, you know, not necessarily saying, okay, I have to write to what I think is going to be funny to, you know, a, a, an eight-year-old. You know, I write what's funny, what I think is funny, and then hopefully they laugh along or their parents laugh along. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely that theme and that message, getting that dialogue into the age-appropriate, you know, uh, yeah. number is good. Your agent was telling me that you've done some ghostwriting, Amy? Yes. And that was a qualified yes. Were you going to no, say something I else? I mean, it, yeah, no, um, I have done some ghostwriting. I had to think about it for a second, like, what have I actually ghostwritten? But, um, or written with other, written for other authors. written with other authors, for other authors, um, but, you know, usually that's not publicized or disclosed, but it is certainly good practice in writing. Right. Because that, the difficulty with that is you have to write in their voice. You have yes. to completely, you know, submit yourself to their voice and not try to inject little pieces of yourself in there. And so it, it's, a, it's a humbling experience too because you have to take yourself completely out of it and just write for them. But knowing that you're the one that wrote the last three Stephen King's book, Stephen yeah. King's okay. books is really, really scary. That. <laughs> um, I, that's what I was going to ask about, though, is that's got to be difficult because you basically, in a true ghostwriting sense, like no one ever knows. No one knows who and it's did like, it. <laughs> like, I, I can't do that unless, <laughs> unless the pay is really good. Okay, so it's great practice. And it helps pay the bills. So, okay. you know, if the opportunity arises and you get a chance to work with, you know, a genius or whatever, and then you get to at least try to mimic that person, I mean, it's just a great exercise. It's a great learning experience. So, and then you get paid on top of it, gravy. I would think <laughs> it might be easier if it was a topic or an area that I have no interest in. Whereas oh. if I have interest in it, I'm going to want to like put myself in my own. That's true. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I typically only take the projects that I'm passionate about. So I don't know that I could do a book on statistics or yeah. <laughs> something horrible like that. Um, but uh, sorry, statistics people out there. I don't math. Um, but um, so I've only taken the stuff I'm passionate about. But I think that just made me that more. Um, you know, invested in it and that, you know, that more dedicated to getting it right. Yeah. Are you guys married, have kids? We, oh, yes. Not, to, not to, to other people. Not to yes, each yes, other. Yeah, I know like, that. I know that. <laughs> your hand gesture. No. Sorry. I was okay. each yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes. I yeah. have two boys uh, who are grown or think they're grown, um, but technically they are adults. Um, <laughs> One is getting married in the fall, and the other is starting school, like, next week, starting college. So, um, but yes, but through it all, they've been my audience and have been sub subjected to everything I've written, good or bad. I so. mean, do they think it's cool, or are they just like, no, they eh, not really? No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they can't, you know, they'll celebrate me with me when good things happen, but it's just, it's just yeah. a job, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, for them, it's just what mom does, Yeah. so, yeah. When my kids were growing up, they used the fact that their dad was Larry the Cucumber's street cred. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, guess what? <laughs> yeah, I have two kids also. My daughter is 24 and my son is 21. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, but same yeah. thing. They, you know, grew up, uh, you know, I tried out stuff on them. Uh, they actually, you know, did voices in some VeggieTales episodes, it's, you know, just come on in and, you know, lay down a voice for this character. So they, yeah. they were involved in the process as well. Yeah. So it was fun. And, and we're each married to different I'm married to Dan, and he's married to Lisa. Yeah. And so how have your spouses walked with you through this? Yeah. Um, mine has been so supportive, and I, you know, the reality of a writing career, if you're not writing VeggieTales, 
um, is that you know the income is sporadic. Mm -hmm. um, and so my you're saying if it's veggie tails, it's just up yeah, and to the right all the time. Yeah, yeah. Up and to the right. <laughs> um, but, Until there's a bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> but my husband has just been so supportive and, you know, I'll get a little side eye sometimes. Like, are you sure that's what you want to do? But, um, but he's just been so supportive and so stable through the whole thing. What does he do, your husband? My husband is a land surveyor, complete opposite end of the spectrum and Left it works brain. well yes yeah math he maths i don't math so. <laughs> maths as a verb yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh so my wife lisa um is funny because we met when i was working on the very first episode of veggie tales she was she's from columbia south america she oh. had come she had she was finishing up her master's um in chicago in bilingual special education wow. she was working on her thesis master's thesis and she would come with me to the storefront that we were renting for you know animating with veggie tales and uh but she tried to explain to her friends what it was that I was doing, you know, and, you know, just got, you know, it's like, who am I getting involved with? This guy that wants to animate vegetables telling Bible stories, you know, it's like, there's no, there's no future with you. Uh, but no, but she was really, really supportive. And in the early years, she was um, uh, a teacher. So when we first got married, she was teaching uh, preschool and then um, uh, left work when, when the, the kids were born and stayed, stayed with the kids uh, as they grew up. And now she is a a medical interpreter. A Spanish, she went back and got her licensing in medical, medical interpreting. So cool. she works with, for Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville yeah. uh, as, a, as an interpreter. Where is she so. at from in Columbia? From Bogota. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got good friends at home who he married a Colombian woman and yeah. her family's up here all the time. And Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. I learned how to dance some kind of Colombian dance. Oh, at, yo, at it was either cumbia or salsa or merengue, you know. Probably salsa. <laughs> salsa. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's a lot. My wife and I, as we were dating, you know, she was she's a great dancer. She was, she was teaching me salsa and all that kind of They've stuff. They've got so. certain like joints and moves that I don't have. Oh yeah. Well, you're tall like me, you know, so it's like, it's just Mr. Spaghetti out there on the dance yeah. floor. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so let's turn the corner and talk about this book now, Bible stories and prayers. And while we're on the topic of spouses and families, is this your first projects a together, the two of you and or B with a co-author? That, you know, that's, that's hard for me to say because I've co-written screenplays a lot, you know, so yeah, so that's that. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, in terms of a book, yeah, it is for me, yeah. And I've co-written before, um, and some of my ghostwriting has been co-writing, and um, so I've co-written before, but this is our first book together, yeah. yeah. We did a podcast together for a long time. I've since stepped away from the podcast, and um, Sarah Humphrey has taken over, and she's done a beautiful job but um so we worked on the podcast for a while while we were working on this um so i think that just helped with that collaborative effort what was the podcast you were part of the bible for kids and it's still it's still going so yeah, we're still, it's still doing going it yeah. Strong. Yeah. yeah yeah so growing every day yeah. yeah yeah so yeah amy amy i should also say is in law school so that's why <laughs> she had to step away because she's she's getting her law degree yeah so uh, why <laughs> yeah, that is a good question that I'm not equipped to answer. So. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? Um, I hope to continue to serve kids and, and families, um, you know, adoption and child advocacy yeah. and maybe elder law, you know, widow, widows and orphans. So yeah. I hope. Awesome. Yeah. That's somewhere in the Bible. It's, yeah. I, yeah Sprinkled throughout. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Actually, all throughout. But. So, so you did have a little bit of a rapport on the podcast right. together, and you must have... There must have been something there that's like, you know what, I can, I, I don't just endure, we don't just endure each other for this podcast, but we actually kind of click. Right, yeah, So yeah, that yeah. if we went off and did this book, yeah. there's a good chance it would work out and not blow up. Because I would imagine there's a lot of co-writing pairs that if they were just kind of concocted without some thought and prayer and discernment, right. would not go well. Yeah, and, and, and in this case, what was nice was it's a collection of 50 Bible stories. And so we talked a little bit about, well, the way, the, the way that the process worked is we kind of picked the stories that, you know, we wanted. And I forget, we, you know, splitting it up between Old Testament and New Testament. And then uh, we, we, 
we did it a little differently. We were talking to Civics a little bit earlier. We actually did illustration call-outs before we did any writing. So we would go through and, and do illustration call-outs call until we kind of did it for the whole, what the is whole that, Bible. What does that mean, illustration That means you're, just, you're going through the, you're reading the, the actual biblical text and saying, okay, it would be great if the first spread is this picture of the story of Joshua, you it know. shows the most exciting scenes from yeah. each of the stories to yeah. really engage the kids. Yeah, and so, and so, and then, um, you know, so our author, or sorry, our illustrator went through and illustrated all those, and then, um, uh, and then we got them back, we got the illustrations back, and then started the writing, you know, so, which was a really interesting way to go. Yeah. So we split it up, I wrote 25, Amy wrote 25, and then we wanted to try to, we, we wrote a few at the beginning and, and read each other's stories. We wanted to try to write in a, you know, a unique voice, but but similar enough to where it wasn't going to throw say, anybody off. Could a could a lay, unexposed person pick this up and go, these ones must be this person, and these ones must be this person? I don't. We I, yeah. tried not to do that. Yeah. We tried because our vision was the same. Certainly, our heart is the same about like really helping kids to internalize these Bible stories and God's love for them. That we shared, and I think it comes through in every single story. And then um, our editor had the task of dialing Mike's humor back, and <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this, this, yeah, this, this sounds okay. This is so Mike. Let's bring that back a little bit and make it feel yeah. a little, yeah, no, yeah. No, but yeah. there was some humor in yeah. there that yeah. I couldn't match. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> but she had the the job of equalizing the voice. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, kids, one of my. I just think that kids are being undersold truth. Um, I think that I was in student ministry and college ministry for a while in the early 2000s. And I was just at a Bible conference that I helped lead last week where we had a, several apologists. Mm -hmm. And I was leading student and college ministry at a time when we were being told, now this is high school and college kids, they're not really interested in apologetics. It's, it's too rational and too heady. Right. And they just want, we just need to do relational ministry, which obviously relational ministry is a good thing, right. but not to the exclusion of using our brains and going deep in scripture. Well, since I've had my own kids and been around other kids, there's a hunger among kids at a pretty young age to start to process and devour and digest pretty heavy stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're shortchanging them when we just keep it all this fluffy, feel-good garbage. Yeah, yeah. So, A, you're nodding, I'm glad, because if not, then you're gonna come out <laughs> after me. But, but uh, how, how do you navigate that when you're putting together a compilation of Bible stories? Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll, some of mine are, so that it, it's sort of, um, um, some of mine are very light. Like the Night Night series is light, but it's a board book. Right, it's right. It's not intended to be a Bible story. It's for four-year-olds. And But the beauty of that is that it reaches people who are intimidated by a heavy, or even a Bible story book, which is light and has great illustrations, but it's Bible-based. Right. So the purpose of the Night Night series is to let kids go to bed every night knowing that there's a God who loves them yeah. and he's watching over them, giving them that peace that comes with a relationship with God. Yeah. So that serves its purpose. And I think they all serve this purpose. But to say that our kids are not ready or hungry for apologetics, I feel like is inaccurate. And I loved what you said about them being undersold the truth. It's so, it's so true. The, the, you know, knowing that God loves you is just the starting point. And what's the first question that kids ask you constantly it's why yeah they want to know why and so give them give them all the answers to all the whys that you have and if you don't have them then dig in the bible and find it together and tell them to yeah. god can handle all of our questions and um he's not scared of whatever questions that we're going to come at him with he's got the answers yeah. but then as they get older too if they don't have the apologetics if they don't have that foundation that they need then it's all going to fall apart. They, when their friend asks them why, they're going to say, oh, well, I don't know. It's just, you know, Jesus loves us. Right. Mm. And Which is important to know. Yes. But give them the ammunition that they need to, to survive. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it is a battle. I picked up right away when you started talking about VeggieTales, 
wanting to help kids develop a biblical worldview. Yeah. Biblical worldview is a keyword or a code word to me for somebody who's serious about more than just the superficial, God loves you, you're right. a good person, go right. be nice to others. Right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. talk about your kind of take on the same question or the same topic that she was just talking about. Yeah, that, that whole idea of you know the children asking why and developing a reason why are we here you know what is god's purpose in our life what is god what's god's larger story in the universe you know why were we created uh you know the fall um you know creation fall redemption you know yeah. that that whole overarching story of the bible which you know in, in our bible story books and pray, prayers we, we we try to weave that together in a sense that okay this is this is about god's relationship with his people with his church and ultimately our, our redemption yeah. uh, through through christ and so when a child if a child can see themselves as part of that story as part of grand, god's grand narrative yeah. then i think that that gives them um you know it gives them a place it, it gives them something to hold on to a place in the world and and, yeah. and a hope for the future um i'm thinking about children's literature within the christian stream and because it's children's literature it by nature has to be what i've already said i'm not good at kind of i don't want to say dumbed down but simplified, simplified. basic my wife you know, what she yearns for me to bring to our kids that I just never will because I, I can't. <laughs> can't do it. Yeah, yeah. But um, you'll be ready when they're... <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. now I got Tag my 18-year-old, yeah. let's yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so by nature, like, I'm thinking of two different kinds of children's Christian literature. And on the surface, at a young age, they could look very much the same. Yes. Basic and shallow and hollow. Yeah, yeah. And basic and substantive. Right, and, yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, yeah solid right yeah 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 um how would you encourage or help parents sort out because i mean my wife is a kind of a book uh i was my book nazi was the first thing that came to my mind but it's like <laughs> she's gonna she's, yeah. like, she's gonna be really strict about what yes. books she lets ex her kids right, right, right. be exposed yeah. to yeah because that world these really subtle worldviews can sneak in in ways that you don't even expect. in christian yeah. i mean yeah yeah so yeah. Uh, you know a little bit about the christian music industry there's some really awesome people that have stood the test of time, like Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman and yeah. others. Yeah, yeah. And there's others that are just complete frauds. And, but on the surface, you go to the, all their concerts and they're fun and they talk about Jesus. And, right. and so in, in the children's literature domain, yeah, yeah. how do you discern what's legit and what we should steer away from? Well, mm. I think one, read what your kids are reading is one, but two, um, you know, even those concerts that you mentioned, if that introduces a person to Jesus, right? then who cares if they're from? I mean, as and long as, if they meet Jesus, Jesus will reveal to them what they need to know. And I feel like the Holy Spirit will sort of compensate for all of our failings as humans. Yep. And so they will pick up as long, you know, regardless of how they get introduced. Um, but also read what your kids are reading. And then the Bible for Kids podcast, that is what I love about it so much is that we get these people, you know, sit them down and talk to them. What is your back? What is your background? We always start with their background. I think pretty much always yeah. talk about their faith story. How did you get started? What is the heart behind this? And we, you know, look at the behind the scenes, their heart behind it. And it always amazed me how much we learn and how much, how intentional they are, how passionate they are about what they're creating for kids. So there are so many people creating um, just deep diving, um, sincere Bible-based products for kids. You just have to know what they are, weed through them, read them yourself. Um, and then, you know, listen to the Bible for Kids podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think a lot of the reputable um, Christian publishers as well have that theological review that yeah. can go say, okay, this is consistent with our, our, our core values and set of beliefs you yeah. know, that we ascribe uh, to. That one, the Bible for me, Bible Stories and Prayers, was reviewed by a pastor and two theologians and an editor who's been in the Christian publishing uh, world for decades. So yeah. that one has been reviewed. It, um, it, adheres to the Bible. We're not trying to 
you know, adhere to any certain religion, but it adheres to the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I would say, too, you know, there are those authors that just stand the test of time, particularly, you know, I'm thinking of C.S. Lewis and the Narnia series. Right. You know, it's like, this is just brilliant, and it always will be, and that will rise to the top because, you know, you just recognize the brilliance of the message and of the, yeah. of the writing and all yeah. of that. And, and so, that, too, introduced so many people who wouldn't necessarily pick up a Bible, but they would pick up a story about yes. a lion yeah. and, um, and then meet God there along the way. That's so, cool. Yeah. Um, talk about the process of narrowing this down to 50 how did you decide how many Old Testament, how many New Testament, which ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of that was shaped by um, our agent who, you know, this was his idea from the beginning and how many pages that we actually had. So some of that um, from a practical sense just happens. But when we knew it was 50, um, yeah. it, it was tough to narrow down. But we thought about the classics, the stories that were most engaging for kids. But we also wanted to tell not a bunch of didactic tales, but the whole story of God's people. Yeah. And as our history as God's people, we wanted kids to be biblically literate about yes. their history as God's people. Love it. So we wanted to tell the whole story from beginning to end as much as you can in 50 stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how we... That was our framework for choosing those stories. But I've, I've been asked, like, why not 52? Because there's 52 <laughs> weeks in the year. And it's like, yeah, oh. okay, or they could have done, like, a, you know, story a week sort of thing. But, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it ended up at 50. 25 old and 25 new. No one Christmas. reads their Bible the week before Christmas. <laughs> That's well, right, yeah. Loose. Gotta take a day off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like two days of vacation, or two weeks of vacation, <laughs> like any job. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, you guys follow March Madness at all, the basketball tournament? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, when it's on. So in now, March. you know, when they're prognosticating who's going to be in and who's going to be out, they have like the last four in and the first four out. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. they're guessing, like, who's who, who's right on the bubble? Right, yeah, yeah. So give us a couple that barely made the cut and a couple, <laughs> and a couple that did not make the cut. Can you think of any? Oh, wow. I think, well, I can remember debating Jonah because Jonah is a huge classic children's story, but in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't. He's a prophet, but doesn't really contribute to the whole story. I don't think we ever talked about cutting him, though. Yeah, There yeah. was a discussion about how you know, it, it's hard. It's, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to end uh, the Jonah story in a kid's Bible, you know, because <laughs> he's like waiting for uh, God to destroy Nineveh. <laughs> yeah, the end. <laughs> you guys are softies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And but I remember Elijah. I remember Elijah, Elijah, and Elisha. You yes. know, just because it's like, okay, is this going to confuse the kids? You know, but right. it was great. I mean. I mean, just that continuity of those of those two prophets and showing, you know, uh, you know, kind of their 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 life and ministry. I think was really important. So it was like, okay, now we got We got to tell both of these stories. And I so. think one of the challenges was deciding, like people like um, Moses, like how many stories do we tell about? Right, Moses? right, yeah. You, know, yeah. you can't fit all of this into one right. page spread. So um, yeah. how do we? How do we do that? So that was a lot of the debate as well. But. Yeah. One of the things we have uh, at the CC podcast, which this is kind of a plug, is we have a Daily Dose Devotions podcast and we're doing a Bible overview. We're like 730 some episodes in and we're in the book of Luke and we started in wow. Genesis 1. Oh, wow. And it's a great six, seven minutes a day way for people who, to get biblically literate. I love how you yes. said that. We want people yeah. to be biblically literate. So many Christians aren't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. uh, it's very accessible, but it's been so good for me. I mean, nobody has grown through this process more, oh, yeah, more than yeah, me because yeah, I'm preparing absolutely. one of these every day, five days a week. Right. And it's like I went to seminary once, but this whole, this, I mean, seminary doesn't hold a candle yeah, to, yeah. to what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. 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 Right yeah, now. yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, going I feel through like a very methodical. honorary doctorate or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. but um, it's been amazing how many times the Lord has just met me and and grown me or challenged me or inspired me in some ways like i've heard this story 15 times yeah. oh yeah 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 so can either of you talk about a particular story or a particular moment or moments in the writing of this that were just like you know you kind of whoa oh yeah yeah well the story of of you know jesus's death and crucifixion i mean it's so in it, 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 resurrection it was so and you know dying on the cross i mean that was that was very it's just very emotional you trying to get that down and, and simplify it, you know, to 300 words, but still it's, you know, I just remember being really, you know, impacted by that and yeah. the writing of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I can't think of one in particular, but just speaking to that, I read my Bible through every year and have for the last 10 or 15 years, and every year somehow the Bible's different, you know? Yeah. And so it's that way with these stories. It's like when you, you know, looking at it from this perspective, what do we want the kids to really know about this character of God and just approaching it from that way rather than, you know, night-night Bible stories. Mm -hmm. um, it just has a different perspective and God is able to do that. He can speak to you, you know, through the same words differently every single time. Yeah, I, um, I'm listening through uh, an audio Bible now. It's called The Word of Promise. It's like a... Um it's a th it's it's like a dramatic reading of the Bible, the New King James version, all the way through. Cool. And I, I listen to it mostly when I'm working out, you know. So I'm in the gym for an hour, and I'm getting this hour-long thing. But every once in a while, I'll be just like a little glassy-eyed, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. working out. It's like, oh no, no, don't pay attention yeah. to me. <laughs> but yeah, because yeah, you're just like you're hearing a thing for the first time, and and or, or rehearing it for the first time in a new context. You're yeah. like, oh yeah. my gosh, it's just very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Is there ever any? I mean you're kind of rewriting the Bible. I mean, you're not, but is there ever any like, okay, we gotta be careful here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every yeah, single yeah. day. I yeah, mean, yeah. I start mine out with a prayer, like help me to say, just like you prayed before this podcast, help help me to say your words, help your words to be say, said, what needs to be said to be said. Yeah. That, you know, whatever kid needs to hear this, let them to hear this. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a tremendous amount of pressure because we want to stay, you know, that the, the word of God is sacred and um, and we want to stay true to his word. So that's why we do the best we can, approach it with prayer, and then have theological reviewers go over it again and again just to make sure we didn't misspeak about something or, or give the wrong impression about something. Yeah. And then just a lot of, yeah, commentary reading along the way, you know, like yes. reading yeah. it and then going, diving into a commentary and just say, okay, this is, and you know, and particularly what we wanted to do was pull out a single theme in each of the stories, you know, and, and, and highlight that. So that, 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 you know, kind of gave focus. us, yeah, narrowed yeah. it down um, a little bit for us to focus on that. If you were going to pitch this against a handful of, I imagine there's other books like this yes. that are a compilation yeah. of Bible stories. What would you say are some of the competitive advantages of your product, maybe compared to others? I think, you know, the biggest thing is just the personalization. Uh, we add, uh, um, the, way that it, the way that it's written in color, there's, um, at the end, particularly with the prayer, uh, there's, the, the pronouns are in, in color. Uh, so a parent can substitute their child's name uh, as they say the prayer at the end, very, very simply. Um, and when we start uh, each, each story, you know, we're, we're saying, did you know this, you know, character, character about God? Um, and just trying to very, really personalize it toward uh, children just to say, yeah, this is your story. You're, you are part of this grand story of God's, of God's story. Cool. Yeah. The pronouns aren't different colors because you question pronouns. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's not get on a heated pronoun uh, so, discussion. Uh, Bible Stories and Prayers by Mike Naraki and Amy Parker. Where would you recommend people go get this if they want to get it? I'll just describe it, by the way. I'd say it's uh, seven inches by six inches and about an inch and a half thick. Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. some girth to it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. It feels you good. You could fling it. Hand. You could fling it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah it's yeah. small enough your child could carry it. Yeah, so. I love yeah. it. So, uh, yeah. where, where's the best place for them to get it? Uh, well, you know, obviously Christian retailers, we're here at the Christian Products um, uh, Expo, uh, is a great place for it, or anywhere books are sold, Amazon. Yeah. Well, I should say one of the really cool things about this book too is that uh, through Caleb Books, this is Caleb, it's their first children's uh, book. And so Caleb, like the radio station. Like the radio yeah. station, yeah, 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 yeah. So they've got a publishing arm. This is their, their first book they've done. And we've partnered with them for a buy one, give one. So every book that's purchased, another Bible, uh, is made available to kids who may not ordinarily be able to afford one. So, so there's one that's given for everyone that's purchased, which is a great thing about this. I see that sticker right on here. So, yeah. Yes. yeah. And also the BibleForKids.com or the BibleForMe.com. Make sure you have that the at the beginning. But um, you can find lots of resources there in addition to being able to buy, buy the book. Awesome. And do you guys have any projects you think you might work on together again, or is this one and done? Oh no, well we did a devotional. We just finished a devotional for this Bible as well. So that'll be yeah. coming out in a number of months as well. Yeah. So, but yeah, I love working with Amy. I'd love to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, Mike and Amy, thank you for your time and have a great conference. Uh, thank thanks you. for being my first interview. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank Appreciate you. it. Yeah. All right. Everyone. Thanks. 
The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.